Hi, this is Dr. Karen Becker. Join me for Cat Extravaganza Week from January 10th to the 16th to celebrate all things feline. We'll be featuring exclusive interviews from cat experts, a live Q&A, plus amazing daily giveaways. Please visit healthypets.mercola.com backslash cats for more information. Hi, I'm Dr. Karen Becker, and joining me today for Cat Week Extravaganza is the one and only Pam Johnson-Bennett. She is here with me to discuss multi-cat households and what we can do to help reduce our the environmental stress on our feline companions. So thank you, Pam, for joining me, and welcome. Thank you. This is exciting. Very exciting. So I know that you have spent your career helping cat guardians better understand how they can be a better guardian and also the relationship between the kitties that they so dearly love. And sir, I am not a cat behaviorist, but I will tell you that I have spent 25 years listening to my clients talk about their sadness and grief in their multi-cat households with the kitties that are just not getting along. So first, before we jump into uh, some of the reasons that kitties do have intercat issues. Before we get into that, let's back up. And for our listeners and readers that may not know the depth and breadth of who you are and all that you do, how did you become so passionate about kitties? Well, many, many years ago, uh, we're talking like four decades, over four decades ago, I adopted two kittens and didn't know anything about cats, proceeded to mess them up. I mean, anyone who's ever been to any of my lectures knows this story. Uh, brought them to the veterinarian for vaccines one day, and they were just horrible. They were, their behavior was just horrible. And the veterinarian, and keep in mind how long ago this was, said, why don't you just put them down and start over again? Because there are so many other cats in the world. Well, I went home completely shocked at that attitude of, well, they're just disposable. But it was also, if they're not behaving in an acceptable way, it's because of me. It's because I have not paid attention to what they need. And I went out and tried to find information. And back then there, there weren't cat books. There weren't, there wasn't any information on behavior. So I started out really just listening to the cats and then Mm -hmm. it kind of snowballed into learning more and more. And then eventually, you know, organizations started cropping up for certification, but I really owe the cats and I owe those two cats everything. Mm -hmm. So what did you just back when you had these two cats and you realized maybe you didn't know enough, clearly your veterinarian didn't know enough. Do you remember looking back, do you remember the steps that you took to try and remedy the situation? And now 40 years looking back, what would you have done different on those, those initial kitties that taught you so much early on? Think, think back to how you managed it and think back to your best advice now with all that you know, what, what's the difference? I made a common mistake. I listened to what other people said without mm. paying attention to whether they knew what they were talking about. I assumed cats needed to behave. I assumed cats couldn't be trained. I assumed that behavior was spiteful. If a cat was not peeing in the litter box, it was because of spite. Um, I didn't understand the relationship. And the reason I wrote one of my books is think like a cat, because that's been my philosophy for my whole life in dealing with clients is look at the environment 
from your cat's point of view. And sometimes that involves something like, and I did this many years ago, looking at the litter box and thinking, wow, if I was a cat, would I want to pee in there? No, probably not. You know, so that was the change was looking at what my cats were asking and what I was supplying was inadequate. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yet it's so interesting because you're right. People either parent their kittens, oftentimes like human kids, or they parent their cats. They treat their cats like dogs and kitties are not little dogs. They're an entirely different species. So when you, when you first go in to a home, first of all, how I just have to ask as a proactive wellness veterinarian, how often are you preemptively called in because people want the most peaceful opportunity to bring a cat in or kitten into their home? versus I would assume the vast majority of times you are brought in for consultation, it's because there's a problem. But do you ever get people that recognize maybe they've been through a situation that could have been managed better, or they have been through cat to cat adversity, and they don't want that again? Is there a a sliver of potential that we're moving towards more of a proactive out of recognizing cats needs emotionally, mentally, physically? Are you called in sometimes proactively to help make the transition as peaceful and as flawless as possible, or pretty much still only when there's issues? The bulk of it is pretty much when there's a problem, but I am called in more often. And I love this when somebody calls me because they're thinking of adding another cat. Excellent. And I I love that. I love that. Uh, It used to be years ago, I was called in when people were so far at the end of their rope that they basically said, Hey, if you can't fix this, you know, in, in a week, we're putting this cat down. I was like, you know, so now with all the information that's out there, people are realizing more about behavior and realize that it it is a relationship and something they have to work toward. It's not just, I come in, you know, sprinkle my fairy dust and everything's all better. Uh, But I would say that the majority is still, you know, people calling in crisis. Okay. So let's start let's start with this, the occasional person or client that may call you and say, Hey, I, I have this situation at home and I'm thinking about bringing in, let's walk down two paths, a kitten, and then an adult cat blending those in the best case scenario. If you were to get a proactive client, let's go down the advice you would give for a person has a cat in the home and is contemplating getting a kitten for scenario A and then an adult cat for scenario B. What would be your proactive recommendations or beginning to start a conversation of things that we should be thinking about before we bring a new cat into our home? The first thing is, what are your expectations? And what is the situation in your home now? Your obligation, and I tell this to everybody, your obligation is to your current feline family. Uh, So that addition of a kitten or an addition of a, a cat or a dog or anything has to benefit. Is this going to benefit my cat's life? And kind of match up your expectations. For example, if you have a very old cat and you come to me and say, we're thinking of adding a kitten, my advice would be that's probably not a good idea. So you want to, you know, you've got this young kitten with all this energy and you have an older cat who maybe isn't as mobile and we don't want to add more stress to an older cat's life. So 
I look at what is the environment? What are the expectations of everybody in the family? Do you have kids at home who are expecting this perfect little kitten? And, you know, are they going to bypass the, the cat who's there now because he's older and he's not as cute anymore? So we go through all of that. And then try to match if you can. And sometimes this doesn't happen. You know, cats very often find us, you know, you, I get called because somebody wasn't expecting to have another cat, but they, there they go. The cat was on the side of the road or showed up at their door. And, you know, we try to make that match work. But if you are thinking of adding another cat and you have the luxury of time, try to match complementary personalities. Don't go to the extreme. So if you have a a very shy uh, cat, don't try to balance that by getting this very assertive, you know, take charge kind of cat. And, you know, but also don't get two that are exactly the same. If you have a cat who just is so possessive and wants to be on your lap all the time, you don't want another one who's going to be possessive and be on your lap all the time. So if you have the luxury of time, really look at your cat and your environment and see, is this going to benefit my cat? And how can I do it in a way that will be the least stressful? So it, and so that's all very good advice. If you, if you have a kitten, if you're, if you're contemplating bringing in a kitten and you have, and let's say an adult cat at home, other than the common sense things, like you want to make sure that the animal you're bringing into your home is, is, you know, free of viruses, parasite free, when you go to start that introduction, let's talk a little bit about proper introductions. The vast majority of my clients bring up this concern to me after they've attempted to introduce their kitties and it did not go well at all. And they attempted to introduce their kitties in all the wrong ways. Like here's the new cat, good luck. And that's incredibly stressful. One of the recurrent questions I have received is okay, I realize now I really muck this up. We've separated them. Are those first impressions, Pam, indelibly burned into cats' minds to where we can't repattern? It's kind of like if you have, they say with humans that first five or 10 seconds that you meet someone is really important because people are subconsciously forming opinions that can linger on subconsciously. Do you think that happens with kitties or if kitties have a negative interaction once, is there a chance that, you know, over time and if done correctly, that those opinions can change? Well, what I tell clients is very often I get called because they put the cats together and it was awful. Uh, mm -hmm. And then they call me and they've separated the cats. And what I say is that imagine you have someone new in the neighborhood who's moved in and you absolutely have a terrible first impression of them. And, you know, it's awful unless you start to find positives and reasons to like each other, that, that impression is never going to change. And it's the same way with cats. They've had a, a negative encounter. You've separated them. Now, what are we going to do to help them form positive associations with each other? And that's where the behavior comes in, helping them first see that their resources are safe because that's the mistake we make when we do introductions. We put them together because, Hey, you know, we have this dog mentality, you know, yeah. but there's a reason why there are no cat parks in the world, you know, because, you know, you can't just put cats together. They have that territorial need. Their first, their first survival instinct is saying, are my resources safe? Cats do have a social structure. You know, they are social animals, 
but it's based around the availability of resources. So when you bring a new cat in, you have the resident cat who's saying, oh my gosh, uh, you know, this is a threat. I, I, is my food safe? Is my litter box safe? Is everything okay? And then you have the new cat who's brought in and he's lost everything. Basically, it's totally unfamiliar territory. It's dropping him across enemy lines where he doesn't have anything that's familiar. So the first thing is to have them separated and gradually do the introduction so that they first realize there is no threat to either one of them. And then you slowly start to help them see, hey, you know, it's not so bad having you here. And that starts with little things like, um, feeding, you know, in, in the presence of each other, but not, not close together, um, playing, you know, having gradual exposure. And I tell clients, think of a scale of like one to 10. One is I hate your guts, you know, wish you were dead. 10 is love you madly. We're going to start at one and we're going to work up. And my goal is to get them to five, which is basically, I don't really care if you're here or not, because, you know, you're not a threat to me. Then beyond that is golden. But if you right away want to hit 10, you're going to fail. Yeah. And what is the longest period you have seen, Pam, that take that is necessary for two? Let's just go for a mediocre. Let's go for a five on the scale. What's the longest in your experience? I mean, is it just, it, it, sometimes it takes months for this, depending on the kitty and their personality and, and where they're at, their past history, trauma. How long, how long do you continue working before you say, okay, we're not at a five, we're going to, this relationship will probably balance out at a three or a two months it can be months. I hate to put a time on it because then, you know, people may say, oh my gosh, I've been doing this for a month and, you know, it should be better. It depends on the cat's personality. It also depends on how much time you're dedicating to it. It's, mm-hmm. it's that time that the cats are together that matters. Like if you do, if you have time to do 10 little training sessions a day that end on a positive note, because I tell clients it's better to end a session sooner than you think you need to so that you end on a positive note. So the more that you do that, the more relaxed the cats will be. But if you don't have a lot of time and you end up doing this long session and you had the cats together longer than they should and one cat hissed at another or another cat got out of got out of the room and and went after the other cat, well then you've undone the good that you did. So yeah. it's really how you're doing that interaction, you know, how much time you have, how consistent you are. Uh, And there's also, you know, sometimes it's just not a good match. Yeah. And so at what point you're so right. It's just like humans. We don't resonate with every human. We mean, we're not going to be best friends with everyone we bump into some, there are some personalities you just don't jive with. At what point do you as a professional, I'm sure that you try every possible avenue, but if people have attempted to introduce two kitties repeatedly for many, 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 many attempts, and there's just this constant negativity, what are you, what is your recommendation at that point? Um, Well, I started living or yeah, exactly. Yeah. I actually start at the beginning when I first sit down with a client, I tell them, we want to get them to be best buddies and enrich both of their lives, but it may not happen. So what are you able to live with? So if we do this for months and we don't make any progress, 
are you willing to set up basically two cat communities, you know, and make sure that the lives of both cats are comfortable and enriched, or will this be a deal breaker? So Mm -hmm. I want them to go into this with their eyes open. I don't want to be working for months and then say, well, this really isn't working out. Now, what are we going to do with the cat? I want them to be aware of that and have that contingency plan already in place so that, and most times I'm very happy to say that most cat parents say, well, uh, the cat will be ours. We'll just, you know, set up two little, two separate areas. And I'm happy. uh, I'm happy when they're, they're willing to do that, but you know, it's, it's a matter of, it really is, is this going to benefit the cat? You know, is Mm -hmm. this for the cat or is this just for you? Yeah. And it has to be for the cat. It absolutely. And that's almost, you know, I am at a point now when I am counseling my cat, my cat clients on if they're, you know, interested in getting another kitty. So many of my cat clients have said, listen, they have amazing kitties, a single amazing kitty, social, happy, outgoing, delightful. And so they think that whatever kitty they get could have a similar personality and it will just be like, you know, the more the merrier and they'll just be best friends. And it's a little bit like me picking a spouse or a mate or a best friend for you as well as I may think I know you, me picking your mate or your best friend is impossible. And so what I will tell my clients is worst case scenario, are you, if whatever you bring into the home, are you committed to in worst case scenario, two separate lives, two separate areas, two separate kitties living their best lives, but not communally. And I think that that's an important worst case scenario for everyone to consider if they're contemplating getting a new kitty, because on occasion, on occasion that happens. Right. And you make a good point because we're picking that companion. We are, you know, and maybe out in an outdoor colony environment, that cat that comes in maybe would be accepted slowly into the colony, but maybe not. That's right. But when we're bringing them inside, they haven't, we've given them no choice. The other thing is, although we, there are so many cats in shelters and so many cats who need homes, it doesn't mean it has to be your home. Really look at whether, you know, you talked about, you know, having a happy social cat. Maybe that cat really is happiest being alone, mm-hmm. you know, being the only cat. Also, if you are thinking of getting another cat because your cat is bored, maybe before thinking of adding another cat, maybe environmental enrichment is needed. Maybe you're not Mm -hmm. playing with the cat enough. Maybe it's a very stark environment where the cat doesn't have anything to do. So that again is, you know, coming down to looking at your environment, your cat situation, and making sure that that decision to add another cat is going to be beneficial. And what about sex? So two female kitties, can oftentimes have a very different dynamic than two male kitties or female to male. What has been your experience in terms of the role of female and males interacting and any differences that you may see pertaining to sex? I base it more on personality because every time you think you know the rule, cats break it. So uh, I've given up trying to have, you know, okay, well, you have a female, you should have another female or you should have a male. I base it on personality, how a cat was socialized, um, what the current environment is, and can I make a complimentary match? That's, that's how 
that's served me well. I really feel if you look at the, the cat's personality and that's where it's really important if you go to a shelter to really inquire from the shelter personnel, you know, about that cat's personality and keep in mind too, that the cat that's in the cage who may seem very shy and frightened may not actually be that in a different environment. So really do your research unless of course, again, you know, a cat finds you, which is how many of us, you know, end up Mm -hmm. with cats. Um, But if you have that luxury, do your homework, really make sure this is going to be a good match and take the time to do the introduction. If you don't have the time to do it and you don't have the resources or you don't even have, I mean, it's harder to do it in a studio apartment in New York City, not impossible, but it's really hard as opposed to, you know, an apartment or home that you have a room that you can create a sanctuary room. So if you're going to have all those uphill battles, you've really got to make sure, okay, what am I going to do? What is my contingency plan? Because if you are in a studio apartment in New York City, you don't have the option to have two separate cat communities. Yeah. So what are your top tips? There's single kitty home, going to get another cat or kitten, have a sanctuary set up, own litter box, own water, food. You get the new addition in place using the litter box. You work, you're in that room alone, building your relationship with your brand new cat. What are your suggestions for then this initial meeting when you are going to introduce brand new kitty to the kitty that's been in your home? What are your suggestions for those initial interactions to help reduce stress for everyone involved? Well, the key is to give them a reason to like each other. But before they even meet, I use scent because scent is so important. It's a vital communication tool for cats. So a trick that I tell clients to do is to take a sock and rub the new kitty down around the mouth to get those facial pheromones, those friendly pheromones. Take that sock and drop it in the resident kitties area, not near the litter box, not in where they sleep, not where they eat, just kind of a neutral area and take the other sock, rub your resident cat down and leave that in the new kitties area so that they start to get familiar with each other's scent. Now, while they're doing that, I also will reward for any neutral or positive behavior. For example, if the cat walks by the sock and doesn't care about it, I might give a treat. I also use clicker training. So I might click and treat. Uh, If the cat sniffs the sock, I give a treat. If the cat shreds the sock to smithereens and growls and hisses, I don't do anything. I just realize, okay, this is going to take longer than we thought, but it's a way to help them get to know each other's scent. And you're also kind of gauging how each cat is going to react to that. So they're starting to get to know each other's scent. I also then will put the resident cat up and let the newcomer kind of wander around and start to spread his scent around. Um, So I do that in a very gradual way. And it's always positive. I use playtime. I use treats so that the cats are associating this new experience with something possible, uh, positive. And I do that before they actually lay eyes on each other. Okay. And then, and then, so if you have a kitty that their resident cat, neutral, no, no hissing, nothing inappropriate. So I'm going to call this best case scenario. When you finally reach the day where you are going to allow the cats to see each other, what do we do? 
I let them see each other for a very short amount of time. I either crack open the sanctuary door or I'll put a baby gate up. And I know mm-hmm. cats can jump over a baby gate, but it just kind of gives me a little secure time. Yes. Uh, and I might put a towel over the baby gate so that I can control how much visual they're going to have of each other. Uh, yeah. And then I'll feed them or I'll offer treats and I make sure they're far enough apart so that no, we're not in swatting distance. You know, you want to make sure mm-hmm. that when each cat is eating, they're aware of the other cat, but they don't feel threatened so that they can focus on the food. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just have that be very brief. And as soon as the first cat is done eating, I close the door. So I always tell clients end on a positive note. Mm-hmm. So then the next time I'll do it again, maybe this time, you know, I, I won't have the towel. I always keep a towel kind of around my shoulders so that if I have mm-hmm. to, I can body block or, or, you know, in case all hell breaks loose. Um, yep. but, and I'm ready. I always sit by the door so that I can close the door if necessary. So I make those, those first encounters kind of like, you know, the cat's thinking, Ooh, I don't really like that you're here, but, oh, there's food here. And I know yeah. that I'm safe. And then I work up to where they're spending a little more time together. Uh, maybe I'll do parallel play where, you know, I kind of have one toy. If you, if you have someone else in the house, it's much easier, Help. but yeah. you know, I'll have one toy and I'll be playing with one cat and then playing with the other cat with still the baby gate, you know, in between so that I can, you know, stop anything, but I'll just do these, you know, maybe it's 30 seconds, maybe it's a minute, but um, it's helping them see, Hey, I can have fun. and you're not the devil. Yeah. And, and if you have one of your cats that says, okay, this is fine. And I'm okay with this new creature in my house, but the other kitty says, I am not okay. (laughs) Is there anything we can do for the cat that has said, I'm not okay with this arrangement to help reduce stress on the kitty that is not so fond of the newcomer? You, you always go at the pace of the most stressed out cat. So if one of your cats is at the baby gate ready, like, oh man, let's be friends. But the other cat is not ready. You have to go at that pace of that cat. And it may mean that you have to go back a few steps. So maybe they can't see each other when they're eating. Maybe they, you know, you're doing more of the scent exchange. Um, maybe that resident, maybe the the newcomer, you know, if that if that's the kitty who's getting too reactive, maybe he needs to be spreading his scent out a little bit more and get a little more playtime and feel a little more ownership yeah. uh, in the home. But the mistake I see is people tend to go at the pace of the cat who's most willing. Yes. And you have to do it the other way. And you also have to realize another thing that commonly happens is the resident cat, you, you're doing this basically, you know, to give a playmate to the resident cat, you think you're doing something good. And then the resident cat isn't handling this well. Sometimes cat parents will get re- very resentful of that, you know, and think, well, I was hmm. doing this for you. And here's this new kitty who, you know, and they're just bonding with this new kitty, especially if it's a kitten, you know, and everyone's so smitten with kittens. Uh, then you start to resent the resident cat. So you have to really be careful that you don't do that yeah. because the resident cat gets up every day and knows everything's the same. My scent is on this. My scent is on that. I don't have to worry about anything. And then all of a sudden the bottom falls out of his world. You yeah. know, he didn't have any notice. It's not like you said, okay, kitty, listen, tomorrow we're bringing somebody home. You know, yeah. it's, it's all a shock. So you have to be patient go slowly, give them a reason to like each other, go at the pace of the most stressed out cat. And if you have 
no visible signs of stress, no hissing, no inner cat negative interaction. But you all of a sudden notice that someone's peeing in the corner, not in the litter box. Let's walk through how sometimes kitties give us lot of, a lot of signs that they are having stress without having, without having to see negative physical interaction that oftentimes there are other ways that we can monitor and evaluate stress, but inappropriate urination is a big one. And let's talk about that for a little bit, because in that situation where, okay, we closed the doors, maybe we went too fast, but now we have someone inappropriately peeing in the corner. This is, this is a common side effect of cat stress. Right. And a lot of times people will think everything's going well. If I don't see fur flying and I don't hear hissing, you know, but cats can do things in a very covert way. So yes, you're right. You know, peeing outside of the litter box uh, means a cat is not handling that stress well. And that can even carry over into an actual medical problem if that Mm. stress is not dealt with, or it might be the cat starts over grooming. You know, you might notice more hairballs all of a sudden because the cat's over grooming. Uh, so there are subtle signs. So pay attention. Cats are such creatures of habit. So pay attention to your cat's behavior. And if there's any change in it, that is a red flag that maybe the stress level is not going well. Now it's also important. Um, if a cat, any of those signs means you're either moving too fast, mm-hmm. you know, you've got to go, go back. What is it that you need to tweak in this that maybe, you know, you've been keeping them together too long, or maybe things were going well and you thought, okay, we can get rid of the litter box in the sanctuary room and the cats can eat side by side. And that's a mistake mm-hmm. just because the cats are getting along. Doesn't mean they want to share resources. And that goes back to, you know, the age old good advice of always have more litter boxes than you have cats. They are social animals, but they aren't social eaters. So, you know, don't ask them to eat out of one food bowl. And it may mean that they can't even eat side by side. They might not even be able to eat in the same room. You know, make sure that there are scratching posts and bedding areas and vertical territory for each cat. It doesn't mean you can assign a cat a specific litter box, but you give them choice and choice. If you, if nothing else, remember the more choice a cat has, the less stress they will have. If you are Mm -hmm. forcing cats to share a litter box or forcing them to be friends and they don't have that choice to not interact, that's where the stress comes in. And are there situations where some kitties are so sensitive that they're aware that another cat is now in the home. They don't have to see the cat. They don't have to share litter boxes, nothing. But the resident cat, just knowing there's another cat in the house is enough to precipitate inappropriate urination that can't be fixed. Some it can, and, yeah. and that might be, you know, a case where that cat should not, there shouldn't be another cat, or maybe yeah. it's, Uh, if you have the luxury of moving the new cat into a sanctuary room, that's farther away, you know, maybe in an upstairs bedroom and you, and you know, the resident cat stays downstairs, you know, without changing his life too much. I mean, he's used to being upstairs. Don't do that. But maybe it means you've got to go a little bit uh, 
farther away, or maybe you've got to do the scent exchange a little bit more. You can also do a lot of playtime and a lot of positive things Mm -hmm. and confidence building to help that cat who's experiencing the stress realize that, Hey, I'm getting more playtime. I'm getting more treats. I'm actually getting more fun in life. You know, and it may also mean environmental modifications. Maybe you only had one small cat tree. Well, now maybe it means two, maybe it means more hideaways, cat Mm -hmm. tunnels and, and, you know, A-frame beds and donut beds, things so that cats, again, have that choice to engage or not interact at all. So it's very, it's very personal. You really have to look at your specific environment. And that's where, you know, people like me, you know, I wish I didn't have to have a job. I wish that everyone would look at behavior and, and know what to do instinctively with their cats, but they don't, but that's right. where, you know, if you need help, sometimes that extra set of eyes that goes in and sees that environment objectively can, can be a help. But mm-hmm. I, I think the big thing is don't set a schedule. Don't be on a time frame that, okay, we're getting this cat and I need to have that cat be acclimated before Christmas. Cause we're going to be having, you know, a lot of friends over or something. Don't set a time schedule. Let the cat set the pace. Yeah. Yep. And excellent advice. And there, there is a chance that your multi-cat household will never be friends. And I think, I think managing the expectation that at some point they're all just going to get along. They may not. And it is our job as guardians to recognize we want to facilitate as peaceful as a home as we possibly can for all of the residents. But that may mean that the most peaceful scenario is some kitties not being around each other. And that that is maybe most ideal for the cats and maybe less ideal for us, but that's how it has to be. (laughs) And that's, that's what you have to look at is, are you doing this for you or for the cats? You know, a common example is someone has two cats, one cat passes away, they get another cat um, because sometimes they'll say, well, I think my cat's lonely, but they haven't even given that cat time to grieve. Sometimes they're getting that second cat for themselves. And that becomes a horrible time to do an introduction. So look at what your motivation is. Look at your environment. Is this truly going to benefit your cat? Are there other things you should be doing before thinking of adding a cat? Um, and you know, they're wonderful. They're social, but that introduction does take more finesse yeah. you know, than it does with, with, with dogs. And sometimes dogs don't get along, but we have exactly. that mentality of, Hey, you know, my, I mean, I can walk my dog, you know, on the street and he'll find somebody else. And instantly they could be friends that will never happen in the cat world. Yep. Yep. And I think that managing our own human expectations is a really big part of this. Really, really important for us to evaluate our own hearts in terms of the frustrations we're feeling or unmanaged expectations or or kind of irrational expectations that we have. Really very important advice. Okay. Let's say best case scenario, your cats do become new kitty, uh, resident kitty become good friends. And then one of those cats has to go to the vet. The cat has to leave and then come back. There's high stress involved. And it's like they almost didn't You come back and the whole thing starts over. Let's talk a little bit about uh, how we can help manage the scenario when a kitty has to leave, picks up brand new smells, comes back. And then there's this whole, woe is me. Where have you been? And where did you go? And why do you smell so awful? Can we talk a little bit about how to help manage cat stress 
with, with pheromones in that, in that regard. Right. Again, cats use scent for communication. That's how they recognize each other before anything else. It's all about smell. And when a companion cat goes to the veterinarian, that is not in top of the list of places cats want to be. So that is a smell that is very threatening, you know, especially if there was a lot done to the cat, you know, so he comes home and he not only doesn't smell like himself because a lot of people have handled him and he's been in a different environment for the cat who stayed at home, the cat that, that went to the veterinarian really smells scary and threatening. So it's not uncommon for that cat to attack the returning cat. And then you have a situation where two cats who were best friends, all of a sudden now you've got to do a reintroduction because they, and I have a, a couple of clients right now I'm working with where it just was awful. And we had to do a complete reintroduction. So the way to do it is when you know that you have to take the, the cat to the veterinarian, uh, what I do is I tell clients, take a towel, rub the cat who's going to be going to the veterinarian down and save that towel, take the cat to the veterinarian, bring the cat home and put him in a separate room so that he has time to take on his normal scent again by grooming. I will then rub him down with that towel. And here's the key. A lot of people make this mistake. They think they should rub that cat with the other cat smell. Don't do that. We don't force any, any smells like that. It's the cat's own smell that I put Mm. back on Mm. and then leave him alone to let him do all his grooming and get back to normal and then release him when he seems completely okay again. And I know that he's done a, a lot of grooming and everything is okay. Then you can release him back into the, the house. And even at that, I'll be ready with things for distraction, especially if this is the first time you've done it and you don't know how the cats are going to react. Yeah. I'm ready with toys. I'm ready with treats. Um, but don't just bring that cat home. You know, that's, that can really set things up for total confusion and stress because then you have the cat who returned from the vet and doesn't know why are you attacking me? Yeah. Yeah. I mean that you could have, you could have had a flawless introduction the first time. And then, you know, a month later, the kitten has to go to the veterinarian and you had no idea this was coming. So is your recommendation, Pam, that every time a kitty comes back from being outside of his natural environment, that you go through this, this protocol? I think it's, I think it's good because it, it kind of nips it in the bud that something yeah. negative may happen. I also tell clients take the carrier and completely wash it out. Mm-hmm. And then I, I like, I mean, I keep my cat's carrier out. So, you know, it's used yep. as an extra bed and then line it with a, a fresh towel, but don't just leave the carrier that has all the scent from the veterinary clinic in the main part of the house. Again, I have yeah. one cat. I have a cat and a dog. I do it with my cat even and my dog just because I don't want them to, you know, have any, they have a great relationship and I don't want to mess with that. Yeah. So when somebody goes to the veterinary clinic by themselves, I just kind of separate them for a while to chill until everything's back to normal, yeah. just because I don't want to experience that. It's, it's just such good proactive advice, Pam. It's really just smart. And there's no reason not to, even if all you have in your efficiency suite apartment is a bathroom, put your, right. put your animal returning, put them in the bathroom just to decombust cortisol levels, drop back down, allow them to groom, get grounded out, have all those stress hormones kind of clear out of their system and then introduce them back into the family for sure. It's really good advice. And and it's not just 
the scent, although the scent is very important, but it's also their body language, their attitude. You know, mm-hmm. if they if they were very stressed out, I mean, we we all know stories about cats who freak out at the veterinary clinic. They yeah. come home and they're completely traumatized. So they need time to just kind of chill and feel safe again. Yeah. So yep. that's good for them, for them too. Like you said, lower that cortisol level and just get them, you know, feeling safe again. So those little proactive things that you do, whether you're introducing a cat, whether you're taking a cat to the veterinary clinic, whether you have cats who got along and then all of a sudden they aren't, maybe it was redirected aggression. Maybe a cat saw another cat outside and attacked his yeah. companion cat, be proactive, you know, get on it right away and do it the right way. Don't just think, oh, they'll, they'll, you know, they attacked each other, but they'll be okay because that's how it escalates. And then you have a much bigger problem. And so if you have cat, if if owners can't determine potentially why um, my mom has this scenario, she adopted two senior cats. The one kitty is always hissed at the other kitty, not friendly. The one kitty wants to be friendly. The other kitty doesn't. She adopted them this way. And this is just their relationship. One kitty's like, can we be friends today? The other kitty says, absolutely not. Not today, not tomorrow, never. Thank goodness they don't fight, but there's a whole lot of hissing and there's no interaction. That is just that cat's dynamic. And yet sometimes that can escalate to where there is aggression. In those situations, separating the kitties, of course, is is a very wise idea. What are your thoughts, Pam, on synthetic pheromones? Do you feel like natural pheromones are, are, uh, of course, the best choice? But what about using, do you find that that you sometimes have success using synthetics or you really prefer to use natural? I I prefer to use natural just because I know it is that cats, of course, and I can really control that. And that's something that from a budget standpoint, that's easy for a client to do. Yeah. Um, What I tell my clients is uh, in all these years of doing uh, consultations, it, it really right down the middle, it's like half of my clients will say the synthetic pheromones work. Half will say they didn't do anything. So my philosophy is if it's in the budget, it can't hurt. Sure. So let's try it. You know, uh, if you find that it doesn't work, it, it, it can't hurt, but I like to make things as easy as possible for, for cat parents. So we all have socks, you know, we all, we all can just rub that down and, you know, you don't have to buy anything. You don't need any supplies. It's just right there. You know, you can use a washcloth, you can use anything, you know, tear up a t-shirt. So I try to make it as easy as possible. Uh, for clients. But, you know, you talk about like with your mother, with the cat that's saying, you know, no way, I'm never going to be friends. Even if there's no fighting, I'm very aware of having cats live in stress all the time, because as yes. you know, that ongoing stress, just eventually, then you get into, you know, like physical and medical issues that happen yes. because the cats are just constantly living in stress. So you have to, again, evaluate, you know, maybe I need to keep them separate or if there's no way if they're separate most of the time, or if you think there's stress, give the other cat who wants to be friends, other things to do, to do, you know, I have, I have a, not a cat, but I mean, my dog is just constantly wants to play. It's like the second the cat wakes up, the dog is, Hey, are we playing? (laughs) So I use, I use a licky mat with him. You know, I put Mm -hmm. some something down for him. So he just has fun and he gets a lot of his energy out and the cat, chills out, you know, and then when she's ready to play, then he's, he's always ready, but give the other cat something to do so that all the interaction and fun and stimulation isn't 
focused on the poor stressed out cat. It's so true. And this is one of the things. So at this point, my mother has trained the kitty that just desperately wants a friend. She now is trained to do all sorts of amazing tricks and she's living her own best life. Uh, even though she would like a friend, of course, my mom asked the, the most common question, which is, oh my gosh, Callie's desperately wants to be friends with B and B doesn't want to be her friend. Maybe I should get Callie a friend. And I say, no, no, you no, you shouldn't get Callie. Let's just pile more get, stress on the other kid. Right, right. I, but, I, but that's a very common reaction from mm-hmm. people that say, oh my gosh, this kitty just wants a friend. That's a very common reaction. And yet I do think that these types of conversations will help even my mom realize, you know, I can see now that if from my perspective as a human, it appears that Callie wants a friend. There's a very good chance that Callie does, you get another cat. First of all, like you said, choice is such an important thing. And very few indoor cats have choice over anything. They can't right. pick their litter. They can't pick where their litter box is. They can't pick what their bowl is made of. They can't pick how much off-gassing from the carpet is occurring. They can't pick their air quality. They can't pick their water quality. They can't pick anything. All of those things are biological stressors. So on top of cats having different personalities and a different set of needs, socially, emotionally, physically, they also are trapped in an environment that they have zero control over, which adds a significant source of stress to their lives. Then having a human try and pick your best friend for you is also a stressor. So I think that my mom and uh, millions of other kitty parents uh, that are listening and watching these videos over time, hopefully recognize that best case scenario, Pam, would you, would you say that if people are thinking about getting their cat a friend, a trial period, a lot, thank goodness, a lot of cat rescues now are offering a foster situation where you could trial a relationship. And if it doesn't work out, the opportunity to recognize that this was not a correct fit personality wise is, is now accepted. And I'm so thankful that a lot of cat rescues are going in that direction, but you have to, we are emotional and sometimes we fall in love with that cat, even though it's not a good match for our resident cat. So you have to, again, take yourself out of the equation. Is this something I want or is this going to benefit my cat? So Mm -hmm. you can't fall in love with that cat and be blind, you know, to the fact that what you're doing, it's not working out. And also something else you said, you know, with your mother about thinking, getting a playmate for the cat who wants to be, who just wants a friend you can be the friend. Sometimes it doesn't have to be another cat. You can engage in interactive playtime. You can be affectionate with that cat in the way the cat enjoys affection. You know, it doesn't have to be a feline friend. It can be a human friend. So, you know, I I don't want to sound like I'm discouraging people from, you know, adding to their cat family, but I am very concerned with making sure we don't overlook how bad stress is for cats. Mm -hmm. And if we're going to introduce stress into their lives, and unfortunately there's stress in their lives, no matter what, at some point, if we're going to do that, how can we make sure it's beneficial? And will the, will the outcome, you know, kind of benefit and outweigh the negative. So um, I just encourage people really do your homework, really look at your resident cat and make sure this, this is going to be beneficial. And how can I do my best to ensure it will be beneficial? Mm -hmm. I think on those, those are excellent 
summary and closing words that above all, there are lots of cats in this world that need homes. And if we can provide a home in an environment that is low stress, that we, A, we can maintain our commitment to all of the animals that we have previously committed for. If we can maintain our commitment to continue their excellent quality of life in a low stress environment and add an addition, wonderful. But I think above all, your recommendation to our commitment being our main focus has to be maintaining the health and well-being emotionally and physically of our current commitments has to be our, our front and center mission. And I appreciate you stressing that. It's difficult for all of us that can see there are a lot more kitties that need help right. than we have homes, but you offer really wise advice in terms of making sure that we're doing nothing to undo the quality of life or the well-being of our current responsibilities. Yeah. And you, it doesn't have to be your home. It, you know, you can donate, you can help find a home for another cat. You can volunteer at a shelter. You can donate items. There are things you can do so that you feel like you're contributing. If it turns out your cat would be better off being a single cat. So it's not all or nothing. You still can do a lot. Yeah. Very good advice from Pam Johnson Bennett, who is kitty behavior extraordinaire. We appreciate you taking your time to share your insights and your wisdom and your cat knowledge with all of us. We are so thankful that you are, you have made it your life, your passion, your commitment to help people take better care physically and emotionally of the kitties in their lives. Thank you so much, Pam. Thank you.